Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, yes, we all know that the Lakers are lit. But did you also know that the Lakers are leet? And that's leet with two threes. It's leet LA. Um, Tommy, can you please explain to the audience, who may be boomers or older skewing millennials, what leet means? Uh, leet is like... You know, it's it's like elite, but it's like a different level even. It's just like it's you're so elite. Saying elite doesn't justify it. Are the Lakers elite? Lakers are elite. Yeah, it's elite. All elite, elite, motherfuckers. All elite, elite. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn. <laughs> to the windows, to the walls, to the walls. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave out the next part about the sweat dripping down the basketballs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Lakers... yeah. <laughs> all on those basketballs, <laughs> all leet leet motherfuckers, all leet leet. Goddamn. 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 All right. Welcome to the Lakers legacy podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. Uh, this is going to be a very brisk and short micro pod where we will mostly get Tommy's updated thoughts on how leet leet this Lakers team is. The Lakers are now 22 and three, their best start since the 1985-86 season. Holy shit! Yeah, the best start since any of us here on this podcast have been alive. We have won 12 oh, straight. Yeah. At first, exactly. I thought you were going to say since we started recording, and I'm like, we've already won more games than we did the first year we started recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very true, too. Um, the Lakers have won 12 straight on the road. They are 12-0 and 0 away from Staples Center. They are four wins away from tying the record, NBA record, for most wins on the road in a row, which is at 16. They are also now 9-3 and three against quote-unquote playoff teams this season, so strength of schedule asterisks be damned. The Lakers are second in net rating behind just the Bucks. They are fifth in defensive rating, fourth in offensive rating, Probably one of the few times our offensive rating has surpassed our defensive rating, but the overall balance here bodes well for the Lakers in the long run. 
Um, the icebreaker topic and question that I wanted to bring up revolves around what Frank Vogel said last night after the Lakers beat the Magic. Um, and I think it's one that shouldn't go overlooked. So, Tommy, how do you feel about Vogel's comments where he mentioned that this team just knows how to win in a variety of ways? They can play fast. They can hit you back in a shootout. They've blown the hell out of teams and scored in the 130s and 140s. They've also won grit and grind games like last night where their offense completely goes to shit, um, but their defense is still intact. Uh, They've won games where they've come back from 15 to 19 points. They've obviously won games where they've led wire to wire. Um, They keep winning on the road. They can win when AD plays like crap. They can win when LeBron doesn't have it. So just speak to me about what you thought about Vogel's comments and just um, the value of the Lakers' ability to win in a variety of ways and what what that tells you about this team. Well, it tells me that we're pretty lead, I think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it, it, it is really amazing. Look, there are good teams every year, obviously. They're, we rank the teams. So every year there's a first-place team and second-place team, et cetera. But this Lakers team is different. They, we're not... Yes, we're technically, you know, the top, number one team in the West, tied for, you know, at least tied in losses with the Bucks. Um, so we are one of the best teams in the league. But it's a weird team in the sense that it's hard to think of matchups where we are going to struggle. And that became pretty clear, I think, after the first even, I don't know, 13 to 15 games, it became pretty clear. Like, we've beaten teams in in shootouts um and shootouts like we're not letting teams like run all over us uh offensively so it it's not like we're giving up huge amounts of points anyway but like we've we've you know early in the season we had a game against the suns when they were red hot and aaron baines made like six threes against us and we won that game and you know so we're winning games like that we're winning games like the magic game where both teams score under 100 points which is obviously incredibly rare for an nba game and and we're able to win those types of games. Or the Miami Heat game, uh, similar, both teams were under 100 earlier in the season, um, the game in L.A. So it, it's just, like, really weird for me to watch as a fan because, you know, even back in those 60 win, uh, back with the 60 win, like, 2009 team, or 2008-2009 team with Kobe and Pau, it was, like, Pau's first full season with the team, and we won 60 or 62 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there were matchups where we would play a particular team and you would think like, okay, well this team does this one thing really well. And that's not a good matchup for us. I mean, most teams you can think of something like that, but this team, although we're, you know, not stacked with force, uh, you know, hall of famers or what, you know, for all stars, like the golden state warriors of recent years have been, it, it's still hard to imagine very many matchups where it's like, Oh yeah, we're not going to win that type of game. It's like, if we play a really, really elite defensive team, which sometimes becomes like an issue for, you know, offensive teams, look at the Houston Rockets. They are consistently leaders of, you know, an offensive efficiency. But if they get matched up against a good defensive team, it sometimes can be tough for them. You know, look at Utah, you know, and the trouble they've given them in the playoffs. But, and that leads to them getting bounced because their defense isn't good enough to keep up. But, we play good defensive teams. 99% of the time, that's going to be a horrible matchup for the opposing team because mm-hmm. we can defend just as well, if not better, and we can play offense too. And right. you know, same thing with offense. It's like if we play a shootout team, like we match up with the Rockets, the example I just gave, 
we are going to play as well offensively or nearly as well as they do, but we're like miles ahead of them defensively. So Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it, there are very, very few situations. Frankly, it's like the more I think about it. And part of this is just the fact that we haven't played the Clippers since opening night, but it just feels like the only teams that are going to give us trouble are the teams that can light it up as well as we do offensively, but then maybe have some ball pressure and aggressive wing length um, to kind of take us out of what we want to do offensively, uh, or at least take our role players out of what, what they want to do offensively, which is, you know, kind of cut and, um, and shoot threes. So, But beyond that, like specific, like very specific scenario of which I can only really think of like one team that matches up well with us in that regard. You know, it's it. We just have such a balanced team. It's it's just pretty amazing that we're able to see them go out and win in in so many different ways. Yep, I agree. And the Bucks are going to be a huge test for us as well before the Clippers because they have the size, they have the length, and so that'll be interesting to see how we match up. But I agree with your overall sentiment, especially in the context of a seven-game series where we know the Lakers are a good team that knows how to adapt and adjust. So even if we are having trouble, I am confident that Vogel, LeBron, Rondo, AD will know how to counteract whatever's going on. So, Alan, really quickly, same question. Um, How do you feel about the Lakers just being able to flip on whatever specific switch they need to flip on on any given night and almost be this sort of malleable, fluid, jack-of-all-trades sort of team? And does that speak to, again, as we've been saying all night, their eliteness? Yes, it does speak to their eliteness. Um... I mean, when you have two superstars like LeBron and Anthony Davis, and anytime one of them gets double teamed, they're both very, very good passers. They're elite, elite passers. And, um, you know, whoever ends up getting left open as far as our role players go, we, we've clearly shown a strong ability to knock down wide open shots on catch and shoot. Maybe the only thing that could momentarily hinder us offensively is when teams stupidly run a zone, right? That's when we get a little mm-hmm. bit thrown off hilt, off kilter. Um, but we've even shown in the regular season a couple of times that we have a game plan for that as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I could see that working out in spurts for other teams, but we're also a really smart team that isn't just going to shoot ourselves in the foot um, if we see that sort of defensive scheme. Um, but I mean, yeah, I agree with what Tommy said. I, I can't really imagine like a handful of teams who match up well against us by any stretch. Um, and at this point, yeah, like we've played a lot of playoff teams. Um, I think, what are we like nine and three against mm-hmm. teams that would be in the playoffs right now. So um, clearly we've matched up against quality opponents and we know how to, as we've said before, like win in a myriad of ways. Um, lighting it up, going inside, playing old school basketball where Anthony Davis is literally just hitting all of his shots in the paint and there's nothing that anyone could do to stop us. And we've talked before about if we're going to focus on the Clippers, I mean, is Ivica Zubots, is Montrez Harrell, Patrick Patterson, whoever, you throw them at Anthony Davis and then what? You know, Anthony Davis has like 18 different moves that he can go to. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you double, you know, again, he's a great passer. So, uh, these next couple weeks, man, against the Bucks, against the Clippers, it's not like, oh, this, here, here we go. Like, this is a true litmus test of who we are. Um, but of course, it, it will be like a good, kind of like a measuring stick. Right. 
Yeah, and at the end of the day, the point that I want to hammer home is that our, our identity centers around LeBron James and Anthony Davis plus defense. And when that is your central identity, um, that's how you can essentially become elite. And if I could compare the Lakers to a Pokemon, I would compare us to Ditto because we just sort of morph into whatever the other team is. But then times 10 or times 100 it because we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And my last point is... We should have Pokemon comparisons for every team, by the we way. We should. You're right. That's that. That'd be a fun uh, holiday break project. So, a good example of the Lakers being a malleable team is that the Lakers are only 18th in pace, but they're number three in fast break points. And what that tells me is that they're a, they're a good team at dictating the tempo. They're opportunistic when they need to be, but they're not always like playing like zippity doodah. <laughs> Zippity, zippity yay zippity yay fast like Lon- the lonzo ball lakers were whereas just super frenetic and chaotic the lonzo ball lakers <laughs> you bygone era saying. of basketball exactly thank god thank god um but yeah the lakers dictate the tempo they're hitting teams from every end of the spectrum and again you can do that when you have lebron james and anthony davis uh all right that'll end segment one uh before we pitch it to our sponsors and the break as usual Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times House of Highlights, Ball is Life, ESPN, etc., etc., will continue to post highlights of Carew's Goat on their timeline just to piss off other fan bases who are up in arms that a random role player who looks like their tax accountant is getting so much pub just because he's a Laker. And we can all just slurp up all their salty-ass tears. Mm. <laughs> mm, I like Yummy. salt. So yes, please rate and interview us for more Caruso hype spam on a national level. They need to know. They need to know. Uh, speaking of ratings and reviews, tonight we will have JaVale McGee, Javale McGee, do the rating and review. And Alan Riley will attempt to <clears throat> do his impression of McGee. So whenever you're ready, JaVale McGee. Overuse of the word lit. <laughs> Um, five stars. Uh, they say lit way too much. But other than that, an entertaining Lakers podcast. Wait, uh, thank you, JaVale McGee. Uh, who was the reviewer, JaVale? Uh, hold up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil F. Thank you, Phil F. I mean, the, that whole review is just so ironic. Um, you reading that we say lit too much in a podcast where we have probably said lit and leet about 25 times. Two different things. So it's all good. It's fair. But you Doesn't reading it. Doesn't count, Phil F. <laughs> God, Phil. <laughs> Calm down. No. Thank you, Phil. No, we thank you sincerely. Yeah, sincerely, even though we say lit so many times. Um, but I just thought it was ironic that you were reading a review about saying lit too much in JaVale McGee's voice, who sounds very lit. Um, but that was amazing, Alan. Thank you for that. Um, I think we're at th- I think we are at 390 ratings and reviews on iTunes. That means we're 10 away from 400. So please oh. help us enter 2020 with 20 times 20, 400 iTunes ratings and reviews. Because if we don't have 400 by January 1st... I quit. This podcast is done. It's done. We're over. So let's see how much you want it. But no, seriously, we, we, we appreciate those. Uh, but seriously, we really appreciate those who have stepped up and continue to show their support. Uh, we just need a few more. 
Also, if you're in the giving spirit in this season of giving, you can also help us out financially in any small way by going to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. All right, we'll pitch it to our sponsors, and when we get back, we will have one more segment. Okay, so we're back. Tommy, my next question to you, and I guess we've kind of already answered it in a weird way, but obviously we've gone through this recent stretch since the Dallas Mavericks game where I think we're five wins in a row now after the Dallas Mavericks game, either four or five. It's five, um, yeah. Started a new win streak on the road. And more importantly, we have faced some actual playoff level competition and in some cases absolutely demolished them. Um, so with that said, in your opinion, and you touched upon this in our earlier segment, but how how elite is this team? Now I feel like we now know what their floor is as, you know, a top three team. But do you feel like there's still an asterisk on this team, um, depending on what we see versus the Bucks and then also the Clippers on Christmas Day for that rematch? Um, because obviously at this point, we know how we stack up against the other teams. Although, you know, I don't want to shortchange the Philadelphia 76ers, but... I still feel like we have a good idea. But regardless, it seems like the Bucks and the Clippers are the teams that we're looking towards and really trying to figure out how we match up against them. They're the bigger fish that we have to fry. But in your in your eyes, are we still reserving judgment till we face off against these guys? Or let's say they lose against the Clippers and the Bucks. Will that significantly change your um, your sentiments on this Lakers team? It won't significantly change my sentiments. So I think like you said I, I mean I would say our floor I, okay our floor barring injury because we've played a very in my opinion very representative sample of NBA teams I feel like our floor is like the third best team in the entire league I know this is like maybe a little bit crazy for some people but look we're like more than 20 we're like 25 percent plus through the season so it's like a decent sample enough yeah, looking back at the recent road stretch against Denver, Portland, and, and uh, sorry, Denver, Utah, and Portland, that's not just like your average, like, okay, the Lakers are going on a three-game road trip. Like, that's a really tough trip for any team. I, the, you know, Shaq, Kobe, Pau, Kobe, like, those teams had trouble winning in the Rose Garden, regardless of how good the Blazers were. Like, we caught the Blazers coming on like a, a somewhat hot stretch, like riding the wave of like Melo playing pretty well for them. Yeah, their record isn't great this season, but that is a hard place to play. We caught Utah, who was eight and one before we played them. Eight, they were eight and one at home before we played them on the second night of a back to back, and them coming off of a pretty tough road stre- uh, stretch for themselves. So they were amped up for that game, and we handled that game. I mean, from the beginning to the end, they didn't really feel like they had a chance. And then Denver. Denver obviously was second place in the West at the time at the uh, point we played them. And it was a close game, but it felt like we were controlling it. Again, it, it's end up winning these games. We're winning them, like we talked about earlier, in a variety of ways. It feels like we're controlling every game we've played in. I mean, even in the three losses we've had, there were moments, you know, maybe with the exception of the Clippers game where it, where it felt like we were playing catch-up for a lot of that game. At least, you know, our other two losses against Dallas and uh, Toronto, there were significant stretches of game time where it felt like we were going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, we go through some weird 10, 12-minute stretch where we can't make a shot. We're, you know, not playing any defense and we're getting frustrated with the refs. I mean, that was a common theme in both those games, right? So it 
it's just it's pretty insane because it's it's like I was saying earlier. It's hard to imagine many matchups where we uh, we would we would struggle. And you know, two of those, like you said, the Bucks and the Clippers are coming up. But I don't even know if I would use that like how we do in those games as a litmus test or litmus test of of, of how good this team is because you know the Clippers were going to play two more times, um, and I. I, I guess that one I'll use as more of a, a proxy, but the Bucks, look, man, I, I, I don't want to throw any shade at the Bucks. It's cool Milwaukee's good. I love Giannis. But that is historically Bud's teams or regular season teams. Yes. Mm. I don't know that we can take that too seriously. <clears throat> that's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, my, my main point about this question was trying to see whether or not this team currently is above reproach. And yes, the Bucks and the Clippers are coming up and it's hard to say right now before we've seen the specifics of how that game plays out um but yeah i tend to side with your sentiment that no the lakers are for real here um alan i have a slightly different question that that goes more philosophically goes more towards the philosophical side um just so we can get another question in and then tommy you can answer this too right after alan but what does it feel like for you to watch a team that um doesn't ignore the forest for the trees, um, but actually always has this zoom out forest perspective in mind in lieu of the night to night trees that some fans still get worked up over, i.e. Rondo not playing defense, Kuzma being passive, etc., etc. Has it been refreshing for you to now fully be in this mode a month and a half into the season, maybe two months now, that, yeah, we're always looking at things from the bigger picture perspective? Yeah, uh, as a fan, looking at it from the big picture perspective is is definitely nice um, for the first time in a long time, right? Uh, our eyes are definitely focused on April, May, and June. But then the crazy thing is the team is is not looking at it that way. Like they are looking at it just on a night to night basis, um, to the point where you know they've said we don't want to lose two games in a row like mm-hmm. that is our goal for the entire season is not to lose consecutive games and it is you know coach speak or cliche or whatever you want to call it but I really buy in to what every single player and coach on this team says when they say we're focused on the moment like right here and right now and I attribute so much of that culture to the coaching staff Um, I think LeBron this season has mentioned having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset more than I've ever heard him speak to that before, uh, to the point where even the media has picked up on it. Like Tanya Ganguly was asking LeBron like, Oh, you know, you're talking a lot about having a growth mindset. And he's like, Oh, I've been having that most of my career, but you know, you bring up having a kind of like a different philosophy towards this team as fans, yeah, we have it, but I think even the team's identity has has seriously shifted, and um, yeah, it, it's just those sorts of things always come from the top, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you look at our coaching staff, um, who in a lot of ways it's a good thing that we don't talk about them that much because usually when you talk about coaches, it's always criticizing and uh, giving them a piece of the blame pie. But Vogel, Lionel Hollins, Jason Kidd. Um, that's where all the leadership is coming from. And with all the experience that they have with their, their pedigree and things like that, um, combined with such a mature team, um, I, I think it's just, it's very refreshing to feel comfortable watching these guys play, watching them make adjustments and continue to just be in the moment, not get too caught up with things. 
Yeah, I think the, the Lakers have done a fine job of straddling both lines in terms of keeping things day to day and not looking too far ahead, but also still keeping that macro perspective, bigger view uh, viewpoint of the entire season and their ultimate goal at large. So, Tommy, same question uh, for you and how how it's hit you that we're in this space. And you actually, your last line there talking about how Bud is not a good playoff coach already speaks to that fact that obviously we're taking things day day by day, but also it's crazy that we can actually talk about the playoffs again and just look at things from a bigger yeah, from a bigger perspective to the point where we're in-game load managing, making sure that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are okay while still dominating these teams. Like, everything we do has purpose. Jared Dudley in the Orlando Magic game said, I passed up a lot of wide-open threes to get Avery Bradley some shots because I know we're going to need him in the long run to get him back into a rhythm because I can hit three or four threes this game, but... I know that Avery Bradley is going to be playing more consistently than I will in the next coming 50 games or so, 40 games or so, you know? So just that mentality of everybody is taking things day by day, but also looking at the long-term viewpoint. Yeah, and and that's another area. I mean, this whole discussion of, you know, the day-to-day versus the big picture is another another area where this team has been super impressive because... This team, you could make a very, very strong argument preseason that, like, you know, oh, it doesn't matter as long as this team finishes top four. This is a in the West. This is a team that's built for the playoffs. And so it's mm-hmm. crazy that despite on paper seeming like we're built for the playoffs, we're, you know, the, like the only team in the NBA that is for, you know, 36 minutes at least a game, if not more, if not more, playing two big men, like two true big men. Um we play, you know, most of our defenders, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, guys like that, are known for being more physical defenders. Some of our other players, LeBron, Rondo, these are guys who their defense is, is known to turn it on a little bit more in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. But despite all of that, we are still coming in and just dominating on a nightly basis. It, mm-hmm. It's just like, it's mind-blowing, dude. Like, every game we start, like, there was a long stretch where I was, like okay when when's the next game that uh we're just gonna like lay an egg and it'll be like all right this is where all the bad things about the team are are coming out at once Mm -hmm. and it just like never happens i mean again like i said other with the exception of that first clippers game where we were playing catch up and it looked like they were exploiting a lot of our weaknesses even the other two losses that we've had it was we lost because of ourselves nothing really because of what the other team was doing you know so it, it, it's crazy that despite having this big picture goal of winning a championship, they're not just, you know, oh, been there, done that. We're, we're you know, trying to get through the season, maintain ourselves like some other teams are doing. Right. And and be cal- casual like about the regular season and then turn it on once the playoffs come. It's like, no, no we we want to win the championship. We want to be able to uh, we want everything. You know, and you're not going to tell us we're not going to be able to do it. We're going. We want to win the championship. We want to be able to rest our guys during the season when when it makes sense to do so, and we want to win every single game. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that that's what the goal of the not win, losing two games in a row um, during the season. Once you get yourself into those types of habits of not losing two games in a row, well, good luck beating it. You can't beat a team that doesn't lose two games <laughs> in a row in the playoffs. You know, so it. It's, it's been pretty remarkable. And, and again, to clarify on the Bud thing, it's 
obviously things could change at any time. I, Bud has historically, his teams have struggled in the playoffs because I think what he does is fairly, it's like you can coach to it or coach against it. Like he has Mm -hmm. a very specific game plan that he's going to work with. I do think that his current team is like pretty talented, but I just, you know, look, I, yes, the Bucks are very good. Giannis is like the best player in the league. Very, you know, arguably, um, they've won 16 in a row. You know, we keep talking about how, how well we're doing They're They have, you know, just as good of a record as we do. So they're a very, very good team. It's just, I know it's an unfair argument to make, but it is the case that they are an Eastern conference team and they do get the benefit. Just like we got the benefit of that, of that stretch of games to like start to build momentum, the stretch of games where we won, you know, 10 in a row against all sub 500 teams to build momentum and to build um, chemistry and to build good habits and all that stuff. They get that like almost their entire schedule is that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, the East has a few good teams this year. Um, The Sixers are obviously pretty good. The Celtics are surprisingly pretty good. Um, Well, not surprisingly, but better than I thought anyway. Um, there are there are good teams at the top of the east but it's not the same as having to play the clippers four times a year having to sure. play you know at Den- at at denver twice a year at utah twice a year at you know it's just there's a lot of tough matchups in the west but at some level you also just look at the, it, it's crazy and I, and I think darius or some somebody on lakers twitter was tweeting about this and after we started beating quote-unquote good teams after we had that stretch of beating the bad teams Somebody tweeted like, maybe, maybe oh, the yeah. Lakers, maybe the Lakers are like, I, I'm not quoting this exactly right, but it's like maybe the Lakers are just beating bad teams because we just beat every team. <laughs> like every team just looks bad against. They're us. all bad it's, relative to us. It's it's yeah. just crazy, you know. It's like we play certain teams that are getting talked up by the media, or like, oh, this team does this like incredibly well, like. They're playing so well right now. And then we play them and completely take them out of everything they want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it never feels like it's that hard. I mean, again, like I said, to the extent we've had our two of our three losses, I'm going to exclude the Clipper, Clippers game. Like in the other two losses, it just felt like we handled it for half the game. And then it almost like we got lazy. We got like too complacent. And then the other team kind of like rickrolled us suddenly like, oh, here we yeah. come. You know, while you guys are taking a nap, we're going to jump in and, and take over. And, and that's what happened in those two games. So it's uh, it, it's crazy how they, like I said, it, it's crazy how they've been able to keep their focus on the championship, which, you know, again, a lot of people can make an argument. We're, we're more built for the playoffs than anything else, but still come in and consistently dominate during the regular season while playing LeBron James a career low in minutes. And I think Anthony Davis might also be a career low in minutes. So mm. it it's uh, it's pretty insane. Yeah, and there's still room for improvement and growth, which is the crazy part about all this. And it seems like they're keeping the championship goal in mind, but also handling the regular season in style by continuing to accomplish all of these milestones and feats that no other Lakers team has done since. At this point, the Showtime Lakers. Um, so it's just nuts. It's fun. It's lit. It's leet, etc., etc. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes. Yada yada yada. We are brought to you by lineups.com. Alan, I'll catch you later. <laughs> later. Tommy, I will catch you later. Later.
piece. Leader. Leader. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We like we tied it tied it in a knot. Nice bow. Okay. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.